Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. And what a night it was in South Philadelphia. I have never seen anything like what we get every postseason now from Bryce Harper. I said it last night. I loved Bryce Harper when the Phillies signed him. I loved him even more when we got to know him. I loved him even more after what he did in the postseason last year. But what we saw from him last night, love is not a big enough word for how I feel about Bryce Harper. I have never seen anybody doing what Bryce Harper is doing. So we're going to obviously spend a lot of time today in the first segment on our fight and fills looking to close out the series tonight. And then still we got to talk about my birds are eagles in the second half hour as well. But I appreciate all you guys. I see you. What's up, Wine Niners Wine? Good morning to you as well. Matt Lagoy, let's go is right. JM, Power Hour needs custom theme music. We are working on it, brother. We are working on it. What's up, Alejandro Lopez? Chuck Hutton, good morning to you. And Transistor Zen, how are you, my man? But what? A night. We talked about it on yesterday's show. If you guys tuned in, Mark Farzetta was here talking about the fight in Phils. And he called it. What he said to Orlando Arcia, do you really want to tug on Superman's cape? That was a quote from Farzi yesterday. And my God, was he right. Two home runs. How many RBIs did Harper have last night? Four RBIs and two stare downs. That was the best part of last night. Those two stare downs. But what I just can't believe is we've seen before athletes use things that other players have said or done as motivation, bulletin board material. You don't get that a lot in baseball. Baseball's a different sport. It's not like football or ice hockey or basketball where you could really use that as motivation to get your aggression up. The harder you try sometimes in baseball, the worse you're going to do. But Bryce Harper is on a different level of any baseball player I have ever seen. And we're going to talk more about it. But guys, hit that like button. Hit that share button. Transistor Zen, I appreciate you saying you love the show. We're trying to make this a great one hour in Philadelphia sports. So be sure to share. Let's get as many Philadelphia sports fans as possible. And I see Matt Lagoy. Harper is a stud, plain and simple, a different animal, statue worthy. You're not exaggerating, Matt. You're not exaggerating. What we have seen already from Bryce Harper in a Phillies uniform is unprecedented. 
unprecedented. And I love Orlando Arcia makes those comments in the locker room. And they get back to Harper. And I don't know if you saw the story. The way Harper found out was his teammates told him what was said. And all they said to Harper is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And Harper shows up and Nick Castellanos shows up to Citizens Bank Park yesterday wearing the Coach Prime gear, Deion Sanders gear, which was a reference to his speech about how they went and made it personal. If you guys follow college football, Dion gave a speech to his Colorado football team earlier in this season about how they made it personal, and that's what that was in reference to. Hey, Isaac, how you doing, man? Welcome to the show. But they wear those shirts. They made it personal, and they come out, and both guys rocking the Coach Prime make it they make it personal right back to Atlanta. Castellanos hits two home runs. Harper hits two home runs. And the Philadelphia Phillies put up six home runs last night. A Philadelphia Phillies franchise record. Ties a Major League Baseball record with the Chicago Cubs from 2015. And Bryce Harper now has the most home runs in NLDS history with 10. And he was asked about it after the game. He said, I don't care. I just want to win. And this guy continues to not only deliver on the field, but he says all the right things off the field. I have never loved a Philadelphia athlete more than I love Bryce Harper. And I'm sorry if this is going to just be a love fest for Bryce Harper, but I just can't get over what this guy is doing and how he is doing it. And if you guys are here in the chat, name a more clutch performance from an athlete than what we are seeing from Bryce Harper over the last two seasons. I mean, just look at his highlight reel. We got Bedlam at the bank. We have that big double he had last year. Now you get the two home runs against the Braves after Orlando Arcia talks smack and he gives him two stare downs. The highlight reel is just unbelievable for this guy. He needs a ring. They need a damn ring this season. Because I love this team. I love their attitude. Topper knows what buttons to push. What a night. And I said this before, the best thing about Major League Baseball postseason, we don't even have to wait 24 hours. We're right back at it again tonight. And you know that place is going to be rocking. And the Braves are going to roll out their ace. Spencer Strider. I'm not sure Spencer Strider knows what he's in for tonight. I know it was loud last year when he pitched. But tonight, after the interview that Spencer Strider gave earlier this season, and I'm assuming by now all of you have seen what Spencer Strider said. But he was asked, give us a hot take. A hot And what does he say? There should be no fans in the ballpark. Are you kidding me? No fans in the ballpark is what Spencer Strider wants. Said it's too loud. Fans are too loud. We should go back to the 2020 season with no fans. Are you kidding me, Spencer Strider? Could you guys imagine? Could you imagine a Philadelphia sports athlete saying to 
the media in an interview, I just wish we didn't have any fans. I, I just wish it was not as loud. Could you freaking imagine Spencer Strider? I can't wait until Citizens Bank Park gets after him tonight. And I'm looking at your stuff here. Jason A-Team, what's good, Bill, at work cooking that bacon? Phil's going to do it tonight. I hear you. BSing Sports, Doc's 4 Super Bowl run. Man, Doc was one of my favorites. But you look at the Mount Rushmore of Philadelphia sports athletes. Bryce Harper's got to be on there. Bryce Harper has to be on there. And if this guy gets a championship, watch out, man. He needs it. This team needs it. But I don't want to get lost in just our love for Bryce Harper because that's easy. I actually said to my fiance, today may just be a Bryce Harper love fest for one hour on the Power Hour show. But we got to talk about Aaron Nola because Aaron Nola showed up again in a big moment. That's twice now. Had a great wild card. And he shows up last night against this Braves lineup, who, don't forget, is a good lineup. But Aaron Nola goes five and two-thirds, 92 pitches, gives up two earned runs. But if you watch that game, that third inning was what changed the entire game. And I'm not talking about the bottom of the third when the Phillies went nuts. I'm talking about the top of the third. Aaron Nola getting out of that jam. He gives up a one-out double to Ronald Acuna, which was his first hit of the postseason. Hopefully that guy doesn't get hot. But gives up a one-out double to him. There's then an RBI single making it one nothing. There's runners on first and second, two outs, and Nola gets out of that inning. That was big to get out of that jam down one nothing. And I see Matt Lagoy, Nola stepped up big. BSing sports, he gets out of the top. It's huge. And I see Wine Niners Wine doing a little play on the uh, the attorney name for me. So, yeah, for those who don't know, I was a trial attorney for 15 years. So this is a lot more fun, let me tell you, talking to you guys, Philadelphia sports fans, than talking to judges and juries. But this is a lot more fun. But you look at Aaron Nola getting out of the top of the third there, huge. And then you come down to the bottom of the third. And Bryce Harper's performance was so big, it's overshadowing another player on this Philadelphia Phillies team who had such a huge night that came up so big. And that was Nick Castellanos. Scooby-Doo. Nick Castellanos. Phillies get out of the top of the third, only down one nothing, And Castellanos leads off the bottom of the third with a homer, making it 1-1. And I see Chuck Hutton. Bryce Harper will be on the Phillies' Mount Rushmore with Schmidt, Carlton, and Lidge. And no disrespect to Mike Schmidt, because he is right now the greatest Philadelphia Phillies in history, I would think. I think you guys would agree with that. But I think if Bryce Harper keeps this up, he is going to pass Mike Schmidt. And if he delivers us a World Series championship, Bryce Harper may go down as the greatest Philly in the history of that franchise. And I don't think that's an overstatement. But back to Nick Castellanos, huge home run 
to lead off the third to make this a 1-1 game. And then Brad Marsh back in the lineup because they're going up against a righty. Big single. Would have liked to have seen Rojas able to bunt there, but that's okay. But then you got two outs. First and third. Bryce Harper comes up to the plate. And you couldn't have written it better. You could not have written it better. We heard the chatter coming in. What is he going to do? Orlando RC is talking smack. He comes up in a big moment. And he doesn't just hit a home run. He absolutely crushed that ball into the upper deck, second level at the bank. Unfrickin' believable. And then stares down Arcia coming around second. But Topper said it after the game, and I agree with Topper. As big as the three run home run was by Bryce to go up 4 1, almost as big was JT Ramuto's two-out double bringing home Alec Bohm and Bryson Stott because now you really blew open the game. 4-1, you're feeling good, but 6-1, now you can be a little bit more loose. You get a little bit more flexibility with your pitching staff. So that two-out double by JT Ramuto was huge. And we can't lose sight of the fact that a lot of guys showed up last night in that lineup. And later on in the game, Castellanos, he hits his second home run. But before that, can't forget our boy Turner, or excuse me, Harper, going yard again in the fifth for his second. But Castellanos hits two home runs. Harper hits two home runs. Trey Turner hits his first home run in the postseason. Brad Marsh goes yard in the ninth. Just an all-out dominant performance by this Philadelphia Phillies team. And I am fired up for tonight. Fired up for tonight. Do a little chat check here. Matt Lagoy, Casty has been huge, especially after his bat went silent last postseason. He has been huge this year. All season, Castellanos has been playing pretty. Midnight Lexicon. What are your thoughts on Reese coming back for the NLCS or World Series? You know, I can't imagine he's going to make it back. You know, it'd be a great story for Reese Hoskins. You know, we're pulling for him. We all loved Reese. But I don't think you're going to see him in a Philadelphia Phillies uniform again, unfortunately. But who knows? Maybe he can make it back by the World Series, but I'd be surprised. And Chuck Hutton. Casty is Phil's silent assassin. Quiet intensity. You are not kidding, man. This freaking team, so intense. But you don't usually see that from baseball teams. That's what I love so much about this damn team. You know, this was Allen Iverson stepping over Tyron Lue in the NBA championship. You see that from basketball players. You see it on the football field. Mike Richards, the shift. Back in, what was that, 08 for the Philadelphia Flyers. You see those things in other sports. You don't see this type of stuff in baseball like what we're getting. Just, man, I couldn't sleep last night after watching that game. I was so fired up. 
so fired up. But tonight, Spencer Strider on the mound for the Braves. Ranger Suarez on the mound for the Phillies. And I want to read something. We were talking about Aaron Nola and how good of a game he had. Listen to this. Listen to this quote from Aaron Nola. And I'll answer your question in a second, JM, asking about if Aaron Nola will be on the Phillies next year. But just listen to this quote in the Players' Tribune from Aaron Nola. You always hear about this city being full of really tough, hard-nosed people. But what sometimes gets left out of the equation is that so many people here have a heart of gold. They're loyal, friendly, and they'll do anything to help you out if you need it. In a lot of ways, it reminds me of what people are like back home. Most everyone I meet in Philadelphia is very kind, and they have treated everyone in my family well. Philly has opened its arms to us in a way that is truly special. It's like a really big, small town. And when it comes to being at that ballpark, I love the place. Coming back from road trips and driving up to the stadium, I can take a deep breath. We're back home. Our fans, yes, they are passionate. They want to win just as bad as we do. They expect a lot out of us. They will cheer you. They will love you. And sometimes, yes, they will boo you. But if you hustle, work hard, and play the game the right way, you will do fine. Aaron Nola gets it. This Philadelphia Phillies team gets it. This is the best damn sports town in America. I say it every single time I have an opportunity. The best damn sports town in America. Because all we ask of our athletes is to leave it all out on the field. Somebody in the chat mentioned Brian Dawkins earlier. That is what we loved about B-Dawk. Every game you knew you were getting all of Brian Dawkins on that field. Didn't always make the best play. He made mistakes. He wasn't perfect. But you knew it wasn't for a lack of effort. It was never for a lack of effort. And that is what I'm loving about this Philadelphia Phillies team, is they are locked in. They want to win. They appreciate this fan base. And I have never seen a baseball stadium like Citizens Bank Park, ever. And I have a couple of buddies in New York. And I think I tweeted out that Citizens Bank Park is unlike any other park. And you know, they're Yankees fans and Mets fans. And, oh, you got to be kidding me, bro. You got to be kidding me. No. I have never seen anything like Citizens Bank Park. And you look at it. They're 3-0 and so far this postseason. They're 25-11 and in postseason history. They have a 694 winning percentage, which is the best in Major League Baseball with a minimum of 30 playoff games. This place is different. And it's going to be absolutely rocking tonight. But JM asked earlier, will Nola be in a Phillies uniform next season? I don't know. I don't know. And the problem is we need him to keep pitching well. And you heard Farsi on the show yesterday. The, the better he keeps pitching in the postseason, the more that offseason checkbook goes up. Because he is already going to get a ton of money this postseason. He's one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball year after year. But now he's delivering on the biggest stage. So somebody's going to open up their checkbook. 
let's hope it's the Philadelphia Phillies, but it's going to be close. But I'm not, I'm not worried about it yet. I'm not worried about it, JM. Let's get that ring on his finger first. What do you think? And I see Midnight Lexicon. It was the same reason he loved Jeremiah Trotter and the same reason he loves Reed Blankenship. Plays hard every snap. That's all we ask for in this city. And if you give it your all, you will be loved no matter what. I'm looking at Chuck Hutton taking us way back. We screamed Burt Hutton off the mound in the 77 LCS at the vet. If Strider doesn't like the noise, make it ear-splitting loud, rattle him to his core. You're not kidding. I still, if you haven't seen that, Give a quick Google when we're done the show of Spencer Strider legitimately saying, not even kidding around, legitimately saying that it would be better without fans. And then he said, or if there's going to be fans, just put them in the upper deck. They don't have to be too close. We we hear you. You don't need to clap. You don't need to be loud. We, We know you're here. Kidding me? Strider's never experienced anything like what he's going to experience tonight at the bank. And I see House Guy, I'm not a baseball fan, but Bryce Harper is a special dude, is unreal. Yeah, he is. BSing Sports, agree or disagree, this Braves team is the best in the postseason that the Phillies will meet. On paper, yes. You look on paper, that Braves roster was the best in Major League Baseball, up and down. But for whatever reason, they seem to choke every single season when it gets to the playoffs. So you can't ever underestimate any team. And this Arizona Diamondbacks, they got some good pitching on that team. So it looks like the Phils will have home field advantage if we can get through this tonight. And not only home field advantage because we have Citizens Bank Park, but actually more games at home in the NLCS, which is huge for this Phillies team. Because you look at the Braves and the Dodgers, these are becoming two Major League Baseball teams that just can't seem to stop choking when it gets to the playoffs. Midnight Lexicon, the crowd was so good last night. Loved the chop. And our Phillies fans, our Philadelphia fans, I said this before on the show, they're also just so smart. They know exactly when to cheer, what to do, how to irritate the opposition. And that was just, at that point, to bring out the chop. When you're up 10 to 2, unbelievable. Think there is any truth to the whole five days off ruins the one and two seed from BSing sports. You know, I looked at that and thought it's just another excuse for these guys. Five days off, how big of a deal is it? This is a brand new format, relatively new format for Major League Baseball, so I'm sure they'll keep looking at that to see how much that affects teams. But, you know, really, five days, is it that big of a deal? I mean, it does help you at times. You look at the Braves, it allowed their pitcher with the blister to be able to pitch. So, I don't know. We'll have to get more of a sample size on that. And then Wine Niners Wine, how about them Flyers and Sixers? L-M-F-A-O. Yeah, I was going to mention, and I am an ice hockey fan. I played ice hockey from when I was a little kid. Love the Flyers. As a kid, that was probably my favorite team 
was the Flyers. I'm a four for four guy, but as a kid, I just love the Philadelphia Flyers, the Eric Lindros era, Mark Recchi, John LeClaire, Michael Renberg, the Legion of Doom. Those were the some really fun years. They never got over the top and won that cup. And I'm too young. I wasn't born yet to see the 74-75 Philadelphia Flyers win the Stanley Cup. But Flyers start tonight, and this is sad. They have the longest odds of any team in the NHL to win the Stanley Cup this year. When was the last time you could say that about a Flyers team? But let's hope and pray that they're finally blowing this thing up and they're going to build back to be a better team. Because when the Flyers are good, that is fun. I mean, we talk about we talk about the bank, Citizens Bank Park for Major League Baseball. Being inside the Wells Fargo Center for a playoff Flyers game is pretty electric, too. There's nothing like that either. The NHL playoffs, they elevate their game to a different level. But I don't know how long we're going to be waiting before we get a Flyers playoff game in this town. BSing sports, wild card likely goes back to a one-game elimination. It's possible. It's possible, but that means they're going to give up the revenue of the three-game wild card series, which they may not want to do because, you know, it's all about dollars. All about dollars. Midnight Lexicon, yeah, the Flyers have fallen off so far over the last 10 years or so. It has been bad. It has been tough to watch. I used to have season tickets to the Flyers. I actually gave them up a few years ago because – they were so bad, and then they do the renovations to the Wells Fargo Center, and then they tried to triple the price of the tickets. We were right on the glass in the corner there, and they did some renovations, and then they wanted to triple the price of the tickets. You guys haven't played well. You're getting worse, and you want to triple our ticket price? I'll pass. I'll pass. So, guys, tonight, let me hear you in the chat. We talked about Spencer Strider, but we got Ranger Suarez on the mound for our fight in Phils. He looked good in game one. Do you have confidence in Ranger Suarez tonight? What do you think Suarez is going to deliver on the mound tonight? It'll be interesting to see if he still has that short leash like he did in game one. Topper took him out in the third. But that was because I think he was setting this series up. He wanted Suarez to be able to come back for game four. So it'll be interesting to see how long Suarez stays in. But Jason A team has confidence in Ranger Suarez. I'm really hoping that this Phillies team jumps out to an early lead on Spencer Strider and gets into his head early. Tyler Bolich, Ranger goes six innings tonight. That would be phenomenal. I would sign up for anything over five innings. Suarez gives us anything over five innings and doesn't give up one more than one or two runs, I think that's a successful outing. And now it sets up your bullpen, hopefully, for the 6, 7, 8, and 9. And you got some options here because we win, series is over. So you have some options with what you can do. Do they bring in Suarez? Excuse me, not Suarez, Sanchez. So we'll probably see Alvarado tonight for sure. Maybe Kirkran again. All those guys who pitched last night are eligible to pitch again tonight, which is good. So I'm feeling pretty damn good. I'm feeling pretty damn good tonight. And Chuck Hudden, banners throughout the city during the back-to-back -back cup year. Only God saves more than Bertie Perrant. 
Yeah, I was told about that. I was told about that. I know my Flyers history, although I wasn't alive for those Broad Street Bullies years. But yeah, Bernie Perrant, Bobby Clark, Reggie McLeish, Bill Barber, some great players on those teams. So guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to switch gears a little bit because there's another incredible team in this city. And that's our Philadelphia Eagles. And I want to take a look at how dominant doesn't necessarily feel or look like it because they struggled to start the season. I say struggled with quotes, but how dominant that offense has actually been over the first five weeks of the season. So stay tuned, guys. You may be, may be surprised by that. We'll be right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Philly Sports Power Hour. And JM in the chat is loving those puns on my former legal career. Let's take a short recess. I like it, JM. And Wine Niners Wine asking, Kelsey or Harper, the face of Philly right now? 
I think right now you got to say Bryce Harper just because Phillies are in the postseason. But we can't forget about my man Jalen Hurts either because when we talk about how clutch Bryce Harper is, Jalen Hurts is pretty damn clutch. You want a guy on your team who wants the ball in his hands at the biggest moment. And Jalen Hurts is that guy. And we look back at that Super Bowl last year, which still kills me because the Eagles deserve to win that game. But you look at what Jalen Hurts did. Statistically, no other quarterback has ever done. But more importantly to me was what Jalen Hurts did after facing adversity. He has that fumble, that fluky fumble that leads to a Kansas City Chiefs touchdown. And what does Jalen Hurts do on the next drive? Drives him right down the field for a touchdown. Eagles go down by eight in that second half late in the fourth quarter. What does Jalen Hurts do? Drives the team right down the field for a touchdown and then also gets the two-point conversion to tie it up. Those are the type of athletes we want in this city. And Jalen Hurts, just like Bryce Harper, comes up big in clutch moments because they want to be on that stage. Some athletes shrink on the big stage. Others elevate their game. And right now in Philadelphia, we have two athletes who elevate their game in Jalen Hurts and Bryce Harper. Love it. Midnight Lexicon. Kelsey is one of, if not the best center to have ever played the position. Instant Hall of Famer. I agree. I think you look at that Philadelphia Eagles offensive line right now, and there are two surefire Hall of Famers, in my opinion, in Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. Both of those guys. Lane Johnson's the best right tackle I've ever seen. He's just, we are spoiled with how good Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey have been in this city for a long time. And there's another potential Hall of Famer on this Eagles team. And if you if you follow my other show, Legal Hands to the Face, I had Todd Harriman's on earlier this week. He talked about Fletcher Cox and he how he'd like to see Fletcher Cox go to the Hall of Fame. And Dave Spadaro on this show said the same thing. So let's switch gears now, talking about the Eagles, although it's hard to not think about our fightings tonight. But let's think about our Eagles. They are 5-0. and Big game coming up this week against the New York Jets to try to go 6-0. and Some good news and some bad news coming from the injury front at practice yesterday. So Fletcher Cox did come back. He practiced in a limited capacity. He had that epidural into his low back. And if you watched my Legal Hands of the Face show, I had Dr. Chris Radcliffe on the other night breaking down the epidural, said he would be surprised if we don't see Fletcher Cox this week. He thinks Fletcher Cox will be ready to go, that usually it's about a week recovery on those epidurals. So Fletcher Cox practices in a limited capacity. N'Kobe Dean practices in a limited capacity. And we talked about it on the show yesterday. Does N'Kobe Dean take that starting job from Morrow simply because he's back or does he have to earn it? Well, I put a poll on my Instagram at legal hands of the face. 26% said the Kobe Dean should start. 38% said that Morrow and Cunningham should remain the starters. And 36% said they should do some sort of rotation. I just don't think a rotation at the linebacker position works like it does on the defensive line. And I think people in the chat yesterday talked about it. I know people commented 
on my Instagram page about it. Rotate them like you do your D-line. It's a different position. It's it's different than just rotating your D-tackles through, your D-ends through. Your linebackers, they're calling the plays. Who's wearing the green dot? So there's a little bit more that goes into it than just rotating those backers. So I still stand by what I said yesterday. I'd like to see Nick Morrow remain in that spot until he proves otherwise. So those are the good news, though. Fletcher Cox is back at practice. N'Kobe Dean was back at practice. Jack Stolt, tight end, he was limited with a shoulder injury. Not really sure what's going on there. Hopefully that's just a precautionary thing because although Jack Stoll has not really done much in the passing game, he's been very good as a blocker, and that's why the Eagles have been able to run 12 personnel so successfully is not only do you have Dallas Goddard, but you also have Jack Stoll. And both of those guys are such good run blockers. I've said this before. It's like having seven offensive linemen on the field. But two of those guys are eligible receivers. Makes it really difficult on this Philadelphia Eagles, or excuse me, on the opposing defenses. But that was the good news. Cox is back. Dean's back. But let's talk about who did not practice yesterday. And this could be a problem. Justin Evans, who missed two weeks ago with a neck injury, did not practice yesterday with now a knee injury. And this has been the knock on him throughout his career. Really highly touted prospect coming out of Texas A&M, drafted in the second round by the Tampa Bay Bucks, had a really promising rookie year. He couldn't stay healthy. And that's really derailed his career over the last few years. And when he's in there, this defense is playing better. When you have Justin Evans at safety, over Terrell Edmonds at safety, we've seen the difference. I don't have faith or confidence in Terrell Edmonds. When Justin Evans is healthy, he has played well. He's played well. And I see Kiwan in the chat that Sidney Brown season, Sidney Brown practiced in a limited capacity as well. So let's hope that he can go this week because I definitely would like to see Sidney Brown start to get some reps. But Justin Evans not being in there, that could be a problem. That could be a problem. And what could be even more of a problem is Darius Slay did not practice. Darius Slay also out of practice yesterday with a knee injury. So this Philadelphia Eagles team, we just cannot catch any breaks when it comes to injuries in that secondary. Lose Zach McPherson in the preseason for the entire year. Lose Avante Maddox, which is probably going to be for the entire year. Blankenship was hurt for a little bit. It's just this team can't stay healthy in the secondary, and that is a problem. But let's hope that Darius Slay can go this week. And JM saying he thinks Job would be all right against Zach Wilson. I just don't have any confidence in Josh Job, man. I just don't have confidence. Maybe he grows to be a good corner in this league, but right now I just don't have confidence with him on that field. I have more confidence in Bradley Roby, who just got here. But let's hope Darius Slay is going to be okay. And then the other player who did not participate yesterday was, again, defensive tackle Marlon Tupelotu, who missed last week with a triceps injury. Hopefully he'd be good to go. He was turned into a decent rotational piece. But we're going to break down the Philadelphia Eagles-New York Jets matchup tomorrow on our Football Friday. 
But I just want to take a look at this Philadelphia Eagles offense after five games, and we'll look at their defense after five games as well because it may surprise you. But I'm looking at Matt Lagoy in the chat. He still has nightmares of the defensive backfield blowing coverages for touchdowns versus the Chiefs. Forget athleticism. Who knows what they're doing? Man, Matt, don't bring us down on this wonderful Thursday morning, man, because I still have nightmares about that too in the Super Bowl. But it's going to be positive today. Let's be positive today. Let's be positive today. I don't want to even think about that. Kawan, Roby is fine in the slot. Wine, Niners, Wine, give Ringo a shot against a poor quarterback. And then D. Desharo, Ricks has the highest ceiling, believe it or not. So two young guys mentioned in the chat, Eli Ricks and Keely Ringo. They gave Eli Ricks a shot this past week against the Los Angeles Rams. Let me find my notes here because they did give him some reps. And he didn't play great. He really didn't play great. Let me see if I could find how many snaps Eli Ricks played. Yeah, I don't think I have it in front of me. But Eli Ricks did get some playing time in this game against the Rams. And then they immediately went to Bradley Roby, who played 45% of the snaps. And he played pretty well. So I have a lot more confidence in Bradley Roby at this time. And then you know, some people on my Instagram hit me up about Jerry Judy potentially being available at the wide receiver position. I don't think the Eagles need to make a move for anybody on the offensive side of the ball. If they're going to make a move, it's in this secondary. And I still think Howie Roseman probably has something up his sleeve because that secondary is really, in my opinion, the only weak thing on this Philadelphia Eagles team. It's the only question mark. And every team in the NFL has them. Every team has – you can't have all pros at every position. It's just the nature of the NFL with the salary cap. But if the Eagles are going to try to make a move before the trade deadline, I think it would be in that secondary. And JM appreciated 60% if that's what Eli Ricks played. So they did give him a shot this week. Five targets, three completions. Dee DeSharo, nobody was covering Cup in the first half, if we're being honest. But now I got Wine Niners Wine saying 13 defensive snaps. So I'll have to, you know, I will check that, guys. And, uh, We'll circle back on how much Eli Ricks played. I had the notes, but they're not in front of me right now. But let's switch gears, and I want to talk about this Philadelphia Eagles offense because I know they didn't come out. Oh, thanks, JM. 60% completion rate, not snaps. That makes more sense to me. So he played 13 snaps, and they completed 60% of the of the throws against them. I appreciate that. Yeah, so Eli Ricks had his shot. They clearly were not confident with him they immediately switched to Bradley Roby who played really well but looking at this Eagles offense when they started the season it looked like things were a little bit off and people were, what's going on is it the offensive coordinator Jalen Hurts isn't the same guy there was a lot of nerves in those first couple of weeks but now as we sit here after five weeks this Philadelphia Eagles offense outside of the red zone and we'll talk about the red zone problems but outside of the red zone is in the top 10 of every category in the NFL. Yards per game. They're averaging 400 yards per game. That's number two in the NFL. Last year, as dominant as that offense was, they averaged 389. This offense through five games is actually averaging more yards than last year's team. Now, I get it. We're talking about 17 games versus five, but just putting into perspective that this offense is really coming into shape here. 
You look at points per game. They're number five in the NFL, putting up 28.2 points per game, almost identical to what they did last season. Last season, they were at 28.1 points per game. But this season, fifth in the league for most points per game. Passing the ball, they're averaging 240 yards a game, which is top 10 in the NFL. And again, almost identical to what they did last year. They averaged 241. So although there were some question marks about that passing game the first couple of weeks of the season, this passing offense is coming into form. And Jalen Hurts has looked better Every single week. Gets New England, 170 yards. Minnesota, 193 yards. Tampa Bay, 277. Follows that up in Washington with 319, and he puts up another 300 yards against the Los Angeles Rams. So now you got a top two offense in total yards per game. Top five offense in points per game. Top 10 offense in passing yards per game. And rushing the ball? Number two in the NFL with 164 yards per game. They had a good running team last year, but they only averaged 147. They're actually putting up almost 20 yards more per game on the ground. Number two in the NFL. Yards per play, 5.6 yards per play puts them at number nine in the NFL. Every category, this team is in the top 10. And then this one is the one I find most impressive. Third down conversions. Through five weeks, the Philadelphia Eagles are converting 50.7% of the time on third down, which puts them at number two in the NFL. They were good last year on third down. They were number four in the NFL last year. But they were 45.9%. They're actually performing better on third down this season than they did last season. Really incredible when you look at all these stats. And there's one area that the points per game could certainly be higher with is if they could improve their red zone. And before we get into their red zone struggles, I just want to take a look at the chat because I see you guys here. Kawan, every year we speculate about what Howie will do, then he does something we didn't expect at all. That is true. That's what makes Howie so damn good, man. Third down, that's right, Desharo. We talked about that. Quez sucks, Midnight Lexicon. I'm done with him. Can't even trust him to get two yards. Midnight, were you here yesterday? Because we went on a rant about Quez Watkins yesterday, and I was not happy that they gave Quez Watkins his job back over Alamba De Zacchaeus. And they didn't just split reps. They gave Quez Watkins 52 snaps to Alamba De Zacchaeus' nine in that Los Angeles Rams game. And Quez couldn't pick up two yards on a play that was there. And Adams exploits. Nick loves Quez. I guess he believes speed kills. And we talked about this yesterday too, guys. I'm sick of hearing about Quez's speed. I'm sick of it. That's all Nick Sirianni wants to talk about is that we can't see what Quez Watkins does to open up things for other players. When he has his opportunities, he doesn't take advantage of them. And we talked yesterday about Alameda Zacchaeus' 40-yard dash compared to Quez Watkins' 40-yard dash. Yes, Quez is faster, but I'm willing to give up that one-tenth of a second in the 40-yard dash for a player who delivers 
when he gets his opportunities. So don't get me started on Quez Watkins again. But you look at this team, and as good as they have been on offense and how things have all started to improve on offense, for whatever reason, they keep struggling in the red zone. And it's really bad. I mean, this isn't this isn't saying, oh, well, they're middle of the pack. They are 27th in the NFL in the red zone. 27 out of 32 teams. This Philadelphia Eagles offense is only converting in the red zone 42% of the time. You look at last year's offense, they were number three in the NFL. They converted close to 68% of the time. That is a problem. And I did a video on my Instagram about this, and some people came after me in the comments. It's not a problem. They're 5-0. and It is a problem. And I'm the person who always preaches, enjoy the ride. Enjoy that they're 5-0. and They keep getting better. They keep improving. Let's enjoy it. But if we're going to analyze the offense, you can't be blind, and you have to look at, well, what else can they improve? And the red zone needs to improve. When you are playing these better teams later on in the season and into the playoffs, you can't settle for three or, even worse, commit turnovers in the red zone. You have to put up six, seven points in the red zone. And, Kawan, you're right, man. This is Philly, and we have a hard time enjoying anything. But let's enjoy the ride. I said that last week. Enjoy the ride. This Philadelphia Eagles team is very, very good. But what I do is I analyze the Eagles. That's what I do. So I'm going to look at areas I think they can improve. And that's why we're here, and that's what we talk about. But it's just it's amazing to me because you look at how good their red zone was last year. Number three in the league, 68%. And you come to this year, and you pretty much have identical personnel. Identical personnel. The only change is right guard. And I'm not seeing a massive drop-off between Cam Jurgens or even Sua Opeta from Isaac Sayamala. They're playing really good. And you lose Miles Sanders and you replaced him with DeAndre Swift. So I'm not buying that it's a change in personnel. Is it scheme? Maybe a little bit. Is it play calling? Probably a little bit of that as well. But I think they're going to fix it. I think they're going to get it right. And if you watched the Jacob Sports pregame show last week, we talked about the red zone struggles. And I said to Seth Joyner, well, there's a player they should be targeting in the red zone to really get things going that'll make a lot of people happy, and that's Dallas Goddard. And they did it in the Rams game on that first drive in the red zone, touchdown to Dallas Goddard. So you have the same personnel. Why can't they convert in the red zone? And I talked to Todd Herrmans about it as well. And look, things do change. Once you get close to the end zone, the, sh- the field shrinkens, the playbook shrinkens, because now there's a 12th defender on the field, and it's the back of the end zone. You don't have the whole field to work anymore. The whole field tightens. But the Eagles have to figure out a way to get that right if they want to continue to win football games because they're leaving way too many points on the board. I see Daz thinking it's play calling. You have a top three tight end and you don't use them. I agree. They got to get Dallas Goddard more involved in the red zone. 
Wine Niners Wine. Activate Penny for short yardage and red zone. Just an idea. Well, let's talk about Rashad Penny for a second because, like a lot of fans, I was excited when they signed him. It was a low-risk, high-reward move in the offseason. Only one only one-year deal. BSing Sports, I appreciate you, man. You got to run. I appreciate you. See you tomorrow, hopefully. But it was a one-year deal for Rashad Penny. Low risk, high reward. Averaging, what, 5.9 yards per carry in his career. So you thought, okay, if he could stay healthy, which was a big if, if he could stay healthy, he's going to add something to this offense, especially behind that offensive line. I mean, if he was doing that, in Seattle, and you put him behind one of the best offensive lines in football, what's Rashad Penny going to do? Something's got to be off with Rashad Penny. He must have lost a step. You watched him in that preseason. I didn't see the same burst from Rashad Penny that we saw when he was in Seattle. And maybe the injuries got to him. Maybe the injuries got to him. Because... They're not even giving him opportunities. They're not giving him any opportunities. So I don't know what's going on with Rashad Penny. I don't know if he's just not the same guy after taking all of these injuries. But we will see. He missed this week because he had an illness, but he was back yesterday at practice. So we'll see what can happen with Rashad Penny. WCBJJ77 in the chat that Penny is a wasted roster spot. The Eagles clearly don't trust him. That's why I would have liked to have seen them upgrade at running back if there was one available. Well, you know, WCB, I posted on Twitter and Instagram in the preseason that I thought there was a really strong possibility that Trey Sermon could have beaten Rashad Penny out for that final roster spot. And people said I was crazy. Well, I would have at least liked to have seen a guy they had some trust in who can play special teams. Sermon could at least play special teams. Rashad Penny doesn't even play special teams. So he is a wasted roster spot. If they don't think that he has any confidence, if there's no confidence in putting him in in the game, why do you have him on the roster? He can't play special teams. You're not giving him opportunities on offense. So I don't understand it. But who knows? I still have my fingers crossed that maybe it's a similar thing to what we saw from LeGarrette Blunt. Different player, obviously. LeGarrette Blunt had some success before he came to Philly. But you remember the first two weeks of the season, I think it was, in 2017. People were ready to write off LeGarrette Blunt. He lost a step. Why is he even here? Eagles may need to move on from him. And then he turned out to be a great addition for that 2017 Super Bowl run. Great addition. Loved LeGarrette Blunt. And let's take a look to more chat here. Kwan was wrong about Sermon. I'm awake, are you? There's nothing wrong with Penny. He's in the doghouse along with Scott. Drop, drop Nathan Hoffman. Drop him to the practice squad. No one's going to take him. Carol knows what he's doing. Yeah, you may need to free up a roster spot by dropping him. And, and I'm not sure what's going on with Boston Scott. He did have that concussion issue. So we'll see. But they may just be saving Boston Scott for the two Giants games. Our giant killer over there. But I would like to see, and we're we're running out of time today, but we should talk about tomorrow a little bit. Do you think the Philadelphia Eagles are giving too many touches to DeAndre Swift? DeAndre Swift is by far the most talented running back on that team, no doubt about it. 
But are they giving them too many touches because they're not trusting Boston Scott or Rashad Penny or even Kenny Gainwell's not getting many touches at this point? And the amount of touches that they have given DeAndre Swift through the first four weeks of the season, I'm not even going to count game one because they gave him one touch. But you look at what they've given him over the last four weeks, is this dude going to stay healthy for 17 games? But we'll talk more tomorrow. Tomorrow will be our football Friday. Hopefully we will be celebrating the Phillies' big win in the division series over the Atlanta Braves. If you guys are going to the game tonight, be loud. Get in Strider's head. Can't wait to see it. And like we end every show, a little today in sports history, October 12th, 1929, the Chicago Cubs blew an 8-0 Game 4 lead to the Philadelphia Athletics, who scored 10 runs, which was a record, in one inning to win the game 10-8. So a little Philadelphia Athletics history going back to October 12th, 1929. But guys, be sure to hit that like button before you head out the door. Can't wait to see you all tomorrow. Let's go Phillies, and we'll break down Eagles-Jets tomorrow. Appreciate you all. Talk soon, guys. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.